You're listening to Pombo and Peter's Picks, the home of your favorite sports betting podcast, presented by The Daily Goat. Hello, welcome to another episode of Pombo and Peter's Picks. I'm Jason Pombo, joined as always by Peter Alves. Peter, how we doing? Listen, you know, we'll, we'll probably get right into it. Cancel the playoffs immediately. My playoff teams. Rest in oh, peace. God. Yeah. They all Just... lost in terrible, fa- terrible fashion. Not even like a fight. Terrible. Yeah. So for those of you that uh, maybe are new listeners, um, to begin the year, me and Peter, of course, we kind of um, predict how the season's going to go. We go, we discuss win totals, which I'm thinking, Peter, like in between like the conference championship and the Super Bowl, we should go over our win totals and see how we did. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. So, um, before the season started, I picked the Chiefs and the Vikings in the Super Bowl. I had the Chiefs over the Vikings. The Vikings lost, so I'm out on that. But the Chiefs are still in. So that's a W on my end. Peter, on the other hand, he had the Bucks and the Chargers. And as Peter just articulated, they're both uh, stopped. Not even just stopped. Tom Brady looked terrible, and the Chargers should send everybody to the moon. Yeah, which uh, they elected not to do, and I'm sure we'll talk about that shortly. But, uh, Peter, so I went 2-4 and four this past week. Um, but I, let's kind of go game by game. Uh, the first game was the Saturday afternoon game between the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I had the 49ers minus nine and a half. I got that one right. Uh, Seattle ended up losing to the Niners 41 to 23. The legend of Brock Purdy continues. He was 18 of 30 in this game for 332 yards and three touchdowns. Chris McCaffrey continues his undefeated streak as a member of the San Francisco 49ers. He had 15 carries for 119 yards, along with two receptions for 17 yards. Debo Samuel contributed as well with six catches for 133 yards and a touchdown. The 49ers advanced to the divisional round, and the Seattle Seahawks go home after overachieving by a great amount. Yeah, um, after the first half, I, I thought I was in good shape. I, re- I really did, because Bach Party looked kind of rattled. And even the beginning of the third quarter, I, I thought he was going to fumble that ball away. And then the Seahawks were going to at least backdoor cover. But nobody expected the Seahawks to go this far. Hats off Geno Smith. He, he played really good in this game, too. This uh this might be the first game that Brock Purdy didn't look as good as he wanted to, I guess. He did still face the Seahawks, but we'll see. Obviously, next week versus the Cowboys, that's going to be a big test. But hats off to the 49ers. So. Yeah, That's what Brock, they do with teams. Twitter was going nuts about Brock Purdy, and I thought his performance in the second half was great. But the first half, he was shaky. He missed some open throws. I'm not necessarily all in on Brock Purdy as a lot of other people are. It's still a wait-and-see mode. You know, I understand he hasn't lost yet as a starter, but um, we'll see how he does this coming week. It was an absolute big step, um, especially bouncing back in the second half. You know, the first half, uh, Seattle outscored San Francisco 17 to six in the second quarter alone uh, and taking the lead just before halftime. And I remember sitting there thinking, I was like, damn, San Fran minus nine and a half is a pipe dream. Uh, I didn't think there was any shot it would hit. And um, look, San Francisco figured their stuff out in the fourth quarter, especially scoring 18 points in the fourth quarter and got a win. Uh, and it was a win in dominant fashion in the second half as they outscored Seattle 25 to six in the fourth in the second half. Yeah, and as I said, hats off to Geno Smith. Maybe he'll win comeback player of the year. Maybe he won't, but he's going to get paid wherever he goes. Sneaky, yeah. sneaky. I want him to go back to the Jets, but he's not going to go back to the Jets. Yeah, I think he. Um, there was a report from Ian Rappaport on NFL Network that uh, he fully expects the Seattle Seahawks to franchise tag Geno Smith or at least sign him to a short-term extension. Uh, and look, they overachieved. Uh, they were a team that I think, again, we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks, but I, I don't think either of us thought they'd win more than five games. And uh, they exceeded that by a great margin. Making the playoffs seemed like a complete, I, I no one expected that. Not one person expected that. And uh, shout out to Pete Carroll, who over the age of 70 was able to will that team. Uh, and again, I don't know if it's necessarily like a, a long-term thing. Like I don't, I don't think Geno Smith is the answer long-term. Uh, and I still think the defense needs work. I still think the offensive line might still need some work, but, uh, in 2022, Geno Smith did a lot more than people anticipated. But who knows how it's going to look in 2023. And they're a great spot. They got the fourth overall pick. Thank you. Yeah. There, so there, there you go. Yeah, they could either trade down. They could select their true quarterback for the future. They can draft someone to help out the defense. They, they're in a good situation. 
And uh, after a lot of people thought they were stupid for trading Russell Wilson, a lot of people thought they were stupid for moving on from a lot of their veteran players. And it doesn't look like that's the case. All right, Peter, let's get to a game that I know you probably want to block out of your mind. Uh, the Saturday night game. No, what uh, happened? <laughs> exactly. So uh, me and Peter are on different sides of the fence here. I had Jacksonville plus two. Peter had the Chargers minus two. And after the first half, Peter, I'm sure, was sitting there all giddy and happy uh, because oh, the Chargers. I was, I, actually, I was not. I, really? Obviously, they were off 27-7, to 7, and they looked like they were lighting the world on fire. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence didn't help his cause in the first half. But I, I thought, you know, Brandon Staley's on the other side. I hate Brandon Staley. He should have got fired. He, he obviously did not. But, I mean, no lead is safe with the Chargers, and the Chargers are always going to be the Chargers. It, it uh, ultimately uh, waited 19 weeks for that to happen, but they always they always uh, figure out a way. And it happened, Peter. And just as you said, Jacksonville was down 27-7 to in the first half. Trevor Lawrence had four first-half interceptions. Uh, it looked like it was going to be a blowout. Um, but even the 27 to seven score, it didn't really, it felt like it should have been more. The chargers offensively did not necessarily convert on some situations and it came back to bite them because the Jaguars ended up overcoming a 27 to seven deficit to beat the chargers 31 to 30 Trevor Lawrence. He was great, especially in the second half. His final stat line was 28 to 47 for 288 yards, four touchdowns. And as I said, four interceptions, uh, Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, uh, two guys at the Jaguars spent a lot of money on this offseason. We openly mocked, and they combined for over 15 receptions, over 100 receiving yards, two touchdowns, uh, and they helped carry this Jaguars offense in the second half. Uh, Justin Herbert on the other side of things, 25 of 43 for 273 yards and a touchdown. Austin Eckler was held to only 35 rushing yards on 13 carries. Uh, and, of course, the Chargers without Mike Williams, who got hurt in Week 18, Peter. Good job, and, good job, yeah. Brandon Stanley. Yeah, so as Peter just said, Brandon Staley is not going to get fired. Uh, however, the Chargers fired their offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, uh, their quarterback, Coach Shane Day, and they also fired their linebackers coach today as well. Uh, but Brandon Staley looks like he is going to stay on board for his third season as the Chargers coach. Uh, so after that collapse, Peter, uh, do you believe Brandon Staley should be retained for his third season? If you're the Chargers, yes, because you don't want to obviously pay Sean Payton. That's probably the only reason why they wouldn't do this in the first place. But as a Chargers fan, I'm not in Chargers. Well, I am a Chargers fan, but as a non-Chargers Yeah, that's a good word. Chargers supporter, I mean, Brandon Staley is terrible. In that whole game, he abandoned the run in the second half. I'm pretty sure they only ran it like eight times. There's short passes. No no deep threat. Thanks, Mike Williams. Well, I mean, not thanks, Mike Williams, but thanks, Brandon Staley. Staley. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't know. I mean, as I said, they didn't uh, run the ball. They didn't have any answer. I mean, Gerald Everett, good job. But that's about it. And they couldn't stop the Jaguars at all in the second half. So. Yeah, uh, I, I totally retweet what you're saying here. It makes a lot of sense. In my opinion, I I understand that money is something that looks like it's holding the Chargers back from firing Brandon Staley. He's due $4 million this season. In order to get Sean Payton, you're going to have to give him a contract worth, I would say, at least $12 million a year. And you'll probably have to give up a first-round pick to get him. I know it seems like a lot, but you're the Chargers. You've invested a lot of money into this program itself. You know, it looks like you have a franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert. You paid your skill position guys. You spent a real lot of money on that defense. Uh, Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, who I know didn't play much this year. You have Bosa on the other side. You have Derwin James. You know, you invested a lot in that team, and it feels like your window to win is now. And I don't know. I don't think Brandon Staley is really going to elevate the Chargers. Uh, and I look down upon them in 2023 as it currently stands. I think Staley held them back numerous times this year. He got Mike Williams hurt this year. And look, he coached scared. And I think offensively, the Chargers kind of were all frazzled in the second half. Herbert looked uncomfortable. And I understand he's not the offensive play caller. And I absolutely agree with getting rid of Lombardi, the offensive coordinator. But um, I still think Staley shouldn't be uh, handing out pink slips. I think he deserves a pink slip himself. You know, I don't know if it's necessarily to fair uh, to fire a linebackers coach, a quarterbacks coach, especially who has helped develop Justin Herbert into the quarterback he is. And Do they can their defensive coordinator too. Uh, I, I haven't seen that yet. I don't know if they're going to ultimately do that to this point. I haven't seen that, but I don't rule it out. It feels like the Chargers are making uh, changes on both sides of the ball, and it feels like a little bit of scapegoating, and feels like Brandon Staley who 
we all saw him on national television now two years in a row make a fool of himself. And um, I understand it's the Chargers, and that ownership group does not want to give out that sort of cash for a coach and that sort of thing. But if you want to win championships in this league, you have to pair the quarterback and the coach together. We saw that together for two decades, Peter. And I think you're kind of wasting Justin Herbert, especially when he's under his rookie contract, because he's going to get that big long-term extension in a couple years. We all know it's coming. And once you give that, you're not going to be able to devote other resources to help the team. And I think you're going to miss a golden opportunity to win on Justin Herbert's rookie contract. And Peter, again, the Vegas odds for 2023 hasn't come out yet. And of course, the offseason hasn't developed at all. But I look at 2023 version of the Chargers and I sit there and I'm like, you still have Brandon Staley. I I don't trust you. If you look at their opponents, I know their schedule's not out yet, obviously. It's a dog sled. It's a dog fight. Yeah, look, it's they finished the year ten and eight, including that playoff game, five and five on the road. They underachieved, and they've had opportunities here. They really have, and um, it's disappointing because I think Justin Herbert is one of the best young quarterbacks in this league. Uh, I don't think that's yeah. Doesn't he have better stats than Mahomes? Only like three three years in. Yeah, Obviously pretty much. Simple, but yeah, yeah, it's it's a mess, and. uh if I'm a Chargers fan or supporter as you are, I am absolutely. You gotta, you gotta forward. remind me next season or whenever we do the preseason, like look ahead or whatever. Like, don't let me pick the Chargers. Like, don't. Yeah, no, I, I will not. Don't. No matter what happens this off season, uh, you, you gotta. I'm you still gotta gonna look at Justin Herbert. I'm be like, all right, cool. Yeah, and back. but there's don't, just so, don't let me so many question marks going forward about that team. And the other side of things for the Jaguars, man, that's a great comeback. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. That first half was as bad as it got. He looked totally rattled, totally uncomfortable. And there was already a narrative building like, oh, he can't win the big games. Like we saw what he did in the national championship in his last college year against LSU. Um, uh, he struggled a little bit against the Tennessee Titans. And I felt like that narrative was starting to slow, quietly build. I wasn't the one saying it, but a lot of other people were. And look, Trevor Lawrence played extremely well in the second half. The Chargers defense got way too conservative. And they let the Jaguars get back into this game. And the Jaguars now are they're playing with house money. So uh, it's a big, big W for Doug Peterson. It's crazy to see what one year uh, makes a difference in terms of coaching. You know, going from Urban Meyer uh, to Doug Peterson. It really, and you know what, Doug Peterson, no one's really talked about coach of the year, but maybe he deserves some uh, a little bit of uh, discussion. Maybe next year. That's going to be the Jaguars division for. Is that going to be your pick next year? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I I, I could already see you uh, doing that. I, <laughs> But hey, Peter, you do what you want to do for that aspect of it. All right, let's yeah, let's already talk about uh, let's talk about the Sunday games. Uh, so we had three Sunday games. First and foremost, the uh, one o'clock game was the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. Uh, and this was a game where we both we both picked the Bills minus thirteen and a half. We both were expecting uh, the Bills to sort of kick the crap out of Skylar Thompson and the Dolphins. And the Bills did everything they could to try to give this game to the Dolphins, and the Dolphins never were able to really take it. The Bills ended up edging out the Dolphins 34-31. The Dolphins overcame a 17-0 deficit in the first half to actually take the lead at one point, to go up 24-20, but they weren't able to hang on, and the Bills advanced the divisional round uh, 34-31. Josh Allen was 23-39 of for three touchdowns and two interceptions. He also threw for 352 yards. Stephon Diggs had seven catches, 114 receiving yards. Other side of things, Skylar Thompson. He was 18 of 45 for 220 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. Uh, Tyreek Hill had seven catches for 69 yards. And this was a game, Peter, like I just said, we both were expecting a blowout from the Buffalo Bills. We never really saw it. The Bills, in my opinion, just were not – they they didn't come to play. Yeah, they're, skate, they're, they're skating all day. I mean, it is Skylar Thompson, but you got to take him seriously. I mean, Matt, I'm so sorry. The Dolphins should have won that game. If you had your Lord and Savior, he would have definitely won that game. I don't know whose coaching was t- more bad, I'm more terrible. I mean, Mike McDaniel was terrible. Josh McDermott is, was even worse. I mean, Josh Allen looked inept at times. He kind of reminded me of Jay Cutler a little bit. I, I see that a little bit, yeah. I, I don't know. His decision-making was terrible. As, as I keep saying, I mean, 34 points is a lot, but they got two interceptions off of it. But I don't know. Their offense doesn't look good either. Their defense didn't look good. That Bills team is... I don't know. I mean, number one, number two seed, but I don't know. I mean, li- they seem to me. I'm watching this game. The Bills, they play so arrogantly. You know, they play Josh Allen especially. He, if there's nobody open, short, he's just gonna chuck it. He's gonna chuck it 50 yards, and 
if the receiver makes a play, it's a touchdown. If not, it's a pick. And when you have a quarterback like that, he's got to rein it in a little bit. He's had too many turnovers. He had 15 interceptions in the regular season. He now is the 17 on the year. So that's 17 interceptions in 17 games. That's not what you want to see from a quarterback who I think we'd both say is a top three quarterback in this league. And uh, to me anyway, through the back end of the regular season into this first playoff game, the Bills are a little overrated. And now they have a true test this coming week, which we'll get into later. But um, I just think defensively, the Bills did not take the Dolphins seriously. The Dolphins, they stuck around there. They hung around there. I give them absolute credit. Um, And Mike McDaniel, as you said, um, he had some killer miscues and I, I, I absolutely third and fourteens. He just kept chucking the ball. I'm like, yeah, exactly. The ball, and not even to mention um, all those delay game, the the delay game fourth and one sequence that turned into fourth and six. I don't know if it's his fault, Josh McDermott's fault, but anybody in that game, like that game, took like four and a half hours. That was like, gosh, yeah. They had to move back the the four o'clock game. It was crazy. Yeah, it was like four fifty. I was like, holy crap, go! Like, yeah, second quarter took like an hour. Yeah, it did. I mean, I, there was a couple stoppages for reviews, but uh, overall, my takeaway from this game is the Dolphins came to play and the Bills didn't. The Bills kind of, like they've had the last month, they play sort of arrogant. They play this sort of hero ball on offense. We're just going to chuck, Josh Allen's going to chuck the ball 70 yards, and if Diggs makes a play, touchdown. If not, it's an interception. And it's it's something you can't really uh, live on, and I think that's what came back to hurt them in this game. The Bills should have won this game easily. You know, they were up 17 nothing in the first half, and the Dolphins sort of creep back in the thing. Josh Allen had a turnover that led to a touchdown, and you blinked, and it was twenty-four to twenty with Skylar Thompson, a third-string quarterback, as the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. And if the Bills would have lost that game, man, what a colossal failure that season would have been—a colossal failure, failure, epic proportions. And the Dolphins had an opportunity to win the game at the end. They just couldn't hold; they couldn't convert. Um, so, big picture here for the Dolphins, uh, their post-game. Uh, their, I should say their season-ending press conference with uh, general manager Chris Greer, head coach Mike McDaniel. Uh, they kind of doubled down and said two is the starting quarterback in 2023 uh, without hesitation. They said it at least two or three times. Uh, so Tua is expected to be back in 2023. Uh, they said retirement is not on the table. Uh, I guess we'll have to see as that offseason sort of ramps up in March about how the Dolphins truly feel about Tua. Because if a guy like Lamar Jackson is available or Tom Brady that wants to go to Miami, I'm curious to see the thoughts at that point. Yeah, see you, see you, Tua. We love you. We miss you. We hate you. Get better, though. Yeah, I know. If, if there's no Tua, Peter, again, that, that loses uh, some content for the show. I got to ask Carr if uh, his brother in wherever he is. Maryland. If he's getting drafted or not. I'm not sure. I, I actually have watched him a couple times. Maryland uh, hung in there against Ohio State late in the year. They end up losing the game, but... And Carr's going to give you a guy for the draft in April. Better he's not already be, talked about better it. Better not be Tua. I, he's he tell you what he's putting some real thought and research into this. He's not going to he's he feels bad about the punter, so he's going to. Yeah, uh, you can't control that. Yeah, he he knows he knows, but he he feels bad about it, so he's ready to give you a, a great uh, guy to follow. So we'll see how that goes. All right, Peter, let's talk about the Sunday four o'clock game between the New York Giants and the Minnesota Vikings. I had the Vikings minus three because they were my Super Bowl pick. You had the Giants, plus three. I didn't feel great going into the game. I didn't bet on them because, look, the Vikings, despite the fact of going 13-4 and in the regular season uh, and winning, like, I think 11 one-score games, they got beat down by the Green Bay Packers, and they had a lot, a couple other iffy losses against some good teams. Uh, and, look, the chicken came home to roost in this one. The Giants ended up beating the Vikings 31-24. Daniel freaking Jones, Peter, 24 of 35, 301 yards, two touchdowns, along with 78 rushing yards, propels the Giants to a victory. It's their first playoff victory since 2011. Uh, Other side of things with the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins was 31 of 39 for 273 yards and two touchdowns. Justin Jefferson was held to under 50 receiving yards on seven catches. And the Giants win 31 to 24 to advance to the divisional round. The Vikings had a chance to tie this game up, but they just couldn't execute a fourth quarter drive. uh, And it led to a, uh, a Kirk Cousins sort of dump off to TJ Hawkinson on fourth and eight, and it was uh, he was held five yards uh, behind the sticks. So, uh, like I said, the Vikings fall short after a season in which they overachieved, winning the NFC North, looked to turn a new leaf, and that did not come to fruition. Hey, this is the only game I got right in the whole entire week, but I told you that Vikings were frauds. This is not on Kirk Cousins, though. What I thought it was going to happen did not happen. Their defense... 
Oof. Yikes. Yeah, their defense was really bad in this one. I know that he just got fired, or he got fired, or he shouldn't get fired if he didn't get fired. But, I mean, Daniel Jones is what Josh Allen should have been like in his game. I mean, Daniel Jones looks good. They're, play- they're a team, again, playing with house money. Oh, That's yeah. Vikings. That's a big, big disappointment. You have yeah. all the weapons in the world, and obviously it's not on Kirk Cousins. It's not his fault. Just that final drive, you can get on Kirk Cousins with that fourth and three, fourth and six dump off, and he didn't give anyone a shot on that one. You can get on him for that, but but he didn't really melt. You know, he again, he he had that Kirk Cousins moment, but he didn't throw away in it. He didn't oh, he throw an good. interception. He, I thought he was good. So yeah, he played well in the game for the most part. Uh, yeah, if you're Kevin O'Connell, first year head coach of the Vikings, you got to be disappointed how it ended up going. You need to work on that defense. That's clear and evident. You have the offensive skill position players, Justin Jefferson, who Adam Schefter of ESPN reported that. They're working to. They're going to start to work on a long-term extension for him. So you have him, Adam Thielen. I know he's in his thirties now. Uh, you acquired T.J. Hawkinson, Dalvin Cook still there. Uh, K.J. Osborne. He's kind of appeared a couple times. So like you have all the pieces. I guess you can work on the interior part of the offensive line. That seems to be a weak spot. But that in the defense and the Vikings should be back in that situation next year. The NFC North has some question marks going forward. The Bears, worst record in the league this year. I understand Justin Fields. Uh, looked like he kind of burst onto the scene, but it still feels like to me they're still a little bit of a ways away. Jared Goff and the Lions, how are they going to do next year, and what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? So, but disappointing to say my Super Bowl finish, disappointing. But I, I, I don't think it was a total L because they went thirteen to four. I don't think anyone thought they'd go. They had the turn. I mean, they were like twelve and zero in one score games. Obviously, it's a one score game, so obviously water finds its level at the end of the day. Yeah, and I, I I've been telling you for like nine weeks. You can God, get on me about the yeah Chargers and the stupid yeah, ball. I, I get but, yeah. Well, you know what, Peter? Now our now our team our supported teams are are mostly out. So so like, you know. Yeah, I gotta find a new team, man. Yeah, so that's kind of how it's at right now. Um, let's talk about the Sunday night game, Peter. There was also uh, an exciting game. It was more exciting than I thought it would be. So we were yeah, both on the bench. Honestly, <laughs> we said last week this uh, slate was going to be absolute dog crap, and every You're single wrong. game, even the Bucks game, was not bad. It could have been worse. Like they were all it could have been worse. They were all for the most part pretty good. Even the first half, Seattle San Fran, it was close. Like, you know, and th- again, I think what super wild card weekend lived up to the hype after we kind of doubted it. Uh we were both on the Bengals minus eight and a half as the Bengals hosted the Ravens for the second consecutive week. But the Ravens played them tough and they almost edged out a win, but the Bengals hung on to win twenty four to seventeen. Joe Burrow was twenty three of thirty two for two hundred nine yards and a touchdown. However, he was sacked four times, and the offensive line certainly got banged up quickly. They lost their left tackle, uh, and Burrow was on his ass a lot of the game. Uh, Jamar Chase had nine catches, 84 yards, and a touchdown on 12 targets. Other side of things, Tyler Huntley, he got the start as Lamar Jackson continues to rehab his MCL injury. Huntley was 17-29 for 226 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Mark Andrews had five catches, 73 yards. This game pretty much ended once Tyler Huntley at the one-yard line fumbled at the goal line, and the Cincinnati Bengals returned it for a touchdown. Uh, and that was the difference in this game. Uh, the Bengals did not look great, and the Ravens played them tough. It was a divisional matchup. I think we kind of undervalued that aspect of it, and I think we kind of underrated John Harbaugh as a coach. Uh, I want to talk about Lamar Jackson a little later, but at first let's talk about the game itself, Peter. So what do you think? Yeah, uh, the Bengals couldn't score any points. This is probably Zach Taylor's worst coaching job, and maybe he's not a good coach at all, Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow's going to have to, again, do it himself because he has no O-line, and it's just going to be a rinse and repeat of last year. But hats off to the Ravens. I mean, no Lamar Jackson, but Tyler Huntley almost won that game. John Harbaugh almost won that game. But maybe uh, John Harbaugh is starting to get a little, little, little warm. I will say. Um, first, Especially let me after that. Oh, yeah. Especially after now, hundred percent. All the Lamar so, Jackson stuff. Oh yeah, for the Bengals, you're right. I, I I haven't been a Zach Taylor Zach Taylor fan. I understand he went to the Super Bowl last year, but I don't think the game plan was great. Again, I think sort of like the Buffalo Bills, they sort of just looked ahead in this game, and they are lucky. Tyler Huntley was the quarterback of this game because if not, I think the Bengals go home, uh, oh, or sure. at the very least, the game's in overtime. You know what I mean? And the Bengals, they blew some massive opportunities. They weren't able to run the ball. I thought they were going to be able to run, and they weren't. He had 11, Burrow, uh, Mixon had 11 carries on 39 rushing yards. Um, I think he only had one um, rushing attempt over 10 yards. They stopped running the ball too. Yeah, and they kind of gave up. I understand the offensive line's beat up, but 
And the defense looked a little bit vulnerable. You know, uh, they gave some chunk plays up, uh, and the Ravens on the ground rushed for 155 yards. Uh, Dobbin 62, Huntley 54, Gus Edwards 39. You know, they were able to run the ball on the Bengals, and uh, the Bengals who came into the game uh, as a juggernaut at home, they were 6-1 and one at home heading into the game, and uh, they didn't have their best game. I wonder if it was just the sort of thing where they sort of overlooked, like we talked about with the Dolphins, with the Bills. I want to believe that. And they did see him last week too. So. Yeah, maybe it's and we kind of underplayed the the Harbaugh situation. Let me talk a little bit about the Ravens for half a second, Peter. So look, I think there's a lot of things going on with the Baltimore Ravens, and it's not good. I think there's a lot of interior damage that's going on throughout the organization. And let me try to spell it out here. I think so. Of course, Lamar Jackson's now missed six weeks from his MCL injury, and uh, look, I don't think the locker room is taking a, a liking of it. We saw Sammy Watkins sort of speak out against it. We saw J.K. Dobbins sort of speak out, saying, like, look, if Lamar Jackson was in this game, we would have won. So I think the locker room is frustrated with him. But I also think the locker room is frustrated with John Harbaugh and the coaches. Because I think you could argue you should have gave J.K. Dobbins some goal line touches uh, after he was arguably your best offensive player in this game. He didn't even receive the ball inside the 10-yard line. So I think the locker room has some friction there. And I think the coaches have some friction against Lamar Jackson for sort of rest. I don't want to say resting in this game. I think that's the wrong word, but business, I don't think, decision. business. business decision. Yeah. Cause I don't think Lamar Jackson was a hundred percent, but I'm sure he was 75, 80%. And I think he could have gave it a go. Mike Vick of Fox sports. He did a, he gave a great insight and in pregame for this. He was like, you know what? Like I understand he's not a hundred percent, but you got to give it all for your teammates. They worked their butts off to make the playoffs when he was out. And the least he can do is give 75%. You know what I mean? And he didn't do that. He didn't even travel with the team. For the first time all season. And uh, I, I think that's a poor look for Jackson. I think it's, again, a lot of issues need to be sorted out in Baltimore. Do the Ravens want to commit to Lamar Jackson? At first, I thought they were just going to franchise him and then go year by year. But I don't know if he's going to do that because I don't think he's going to report if you franchise him. I really I don't. Think they're gonna, oh, what do you think? I think they're going to, yeah. I think they're going to tag him and then just trade him wherever. You think they're going to trade him? Yeah, I think he's going to go to the Jets, to be honest. You going with the Jets? Tell you what, before this, there's no way he comes weeks, back. There's no way he comes back. It's gonna be difficult, man. At first, I thought there was like a ten percent chance he'd leave. Now I'm probably like 40 percent. I still he didn't think, even, yeah, he didn't even join the team for the playoff game. Yeah, I, again, I still think money is the ultimate uh, way to fix things. So if you give him that guaranteed money, yeah, but that probably him what he wants. The Roquan Smith deal. Yeah, like, that too. Yeah, and on top of that, they gave Roquan Smith all that guaranteed money uh, this a couple weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago. Yeah. So again, there's a lot of internal struggle, and I think the locker room is pissed off at Lamar Jackson too. Like, dude, we're, we risked everything for you, and like, you didn't even play here, and we would we would have won this game. So, uh, I, I again, I I think there is some clear. Um, disagreements going on within the organization. And it again, it could all get fixed. We've seen some of these contract situations get messy and then it sort of fixes itself. But we've also seen the other other side of the coin. Like, I, th I think we've seen examples of both. Like uh, Aaron Rodgers was one that we thought Aaron Rodgers was gone. There's no way in hell he's coming back to Green Bay and then all of a sudden he's back for a three-year extension. But we've also seen some on the other side of the coin in which we expected them, things to get worked out and they just never did. Kirk Cousins comes to mind for me with Washington. He ended up, of course... Uh, ended up going to Minnesota. Uh, and I'm sure there's a couple others that I'm I'm sort of Russell leaving Wilson. out here. Russell Wilson, of course, that's another big one. Uh, going from Seattle uh, to Denver. So uh, that was one that we all anticipated that would get figured out, and it never did. So I'm curious to see what the Ravens do. Uh, they, of course, the whole offensive system is predicated on Lamar Jackson's system, uh, Lamar Jackson's skill. So I don't know. I'm very intrigued to see how this kind of goes about with the Baltimore Ravens. I think that's the number one story heading into the offseason. Uh, you mentioned the Jets as possible suitors. I doubled down with that for sure. I think the Dolphins will be suitors. I also think a couple NFC teams, the Atlanta Falcons, make a lot of sense as well. I know they just drafted Desmond Riddler, but uh, they were connected to Deshaun Watson as well at, at one point, and I think they'd be right in there on Lamar Jackson. And I think uh, I thought I saw this somewhere that Lamar Jackson would love to play in Atlanta. So, again, I think he'll have suitors. Maybe even Vegas, too, because Josh McDaniels, was a big fan of him coming out of Louisville. Uh, and, of course, we all know the Raiders. He wanted to draft him, didn't he? Yeah, uh, that's what rumor has it. So uh, that would make some sense. I'm sure there's a couple other suitors that we're not even really thinking about. Um, trying to think off the top of my head. I don't know. I said the Jets, but. Yeah, I, the Jets are a good one. Jets, Miami, Atlanta. 
Uh, I want to throw Vegas in there as well. Uh, and again, there could be a mystery team or two. Who even knows how this sort of thing goes out? We'll, we'll see. That's something that I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about in the next coming month or two. All right, Peter, let's go to the Monday night game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Bucks. We were both heavy on the Bucks, minus two and a half. That was Peter's Super Bowl team, so you damn well know he was sticking by his guns on this one. And the Dallas Cowboys ended up beating Tom Brady and the Bucks, 31 to 14. I think Dak Prescott played the best game of his NFL career. Uh, he was 25 of 33, 305 yards and four touchdowns. He also had a touchdown on the ground. Uh, Tony Pollard on this one and Zeke Elliott, they combined for over 100 rushing yards. Uh, Dalton Schultz, he was a killer in this one. Seven catches for 95 yards and two touchdowns as the Cowboys finally earn a win on the road for the first time since the 1990s. Other side of things with the Tampa Bay Bucks, Tom Brady. Again, I think he struggled in this one. 35 of 66, 351 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Godwin had 10 catches, 85 yards. Brady and Mike Evans did not seem like they were on the same page all game. Brady looked like he didn't want to get hit. Took a couple sacks. And uh, Byron Leftwich looks like he's going to get fired for this one, the offensive coordinator for the Bucs. And that Bucs offense wasn't able to generate anything offensively all year. Uh, and the Bucs end up going home after they were a, uh, a team that a lot of people anticipated would at least win this game against the Dallas Cowboys. And that did not come to fruition, Peter. So what's your take on the Cowboys here before we get into the Bucs? I mean, the Cowboys, hats off to the Cowboys. Dak Prescott, as you said, I, this is the best that I've seen Dak Prescott play. I mean, I think he has a uh, record, like a uh, rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown. So good for him, good for the Cowboys to actually show up. Uh, credit to, actually, I'm saying this facetiously, but credit to Mike McCarthy or just putting out Brett Meyer every single time. I was like, poor guy. You're not Missing even four field goals, man. I'm real. I was like, damn, you're not even like going to give him a rest. I mean, they were going for it at fourth down. They get. I, I'm pretty sure they scored on a fourth down play. So, yeah, that is what it is. But, so, good on the Cowboys. Tell you what, Peter, I think Mike McCarthy actually called a pretty good game. Uh, and Kellen Moore, I think their game plan was really, really good. I'll tip my hat to that. I didn't think I was going to see that. I was waiting for I was waiting for the lead to blow when it was like 14 to 14 nothing or whatever, 13 nothing. I was waiting for it. I was like, I know it's coming. And uh, it, it never came. And shout out to the Cowboys. After they kind of stumbled their way into the playoffs, we saw what they did week 18 against the Commanders and Sam Howell. They got shredded, and Dak Prescott threw some bad interceptions, but Dak rebounded in a fantastic way. Uh, big, big W for the Dallas Cowboys. Out of this other side of things with the Bucks, potentially Tom Brady's last career game here. Uh, so, Peter, do you think Brady is back right now on, what's today, January? So it was released this January 19th. So What are the chances you think Brady is back? Uh, 90%. Ooh, it's I, high. Now, why would you divorce yourself for four months of literally mediocrity? He's probably going to Vegas, maybe Miami. He's going to go somewhere. Don't go so back you, to the Patriots. You're at but, 90%? Yeah. 85 wow, that's high. Yeah. I tell you what, I was... Just I, because of the Giselle thing. I'm not sure. I'm really... It's a difficult situation to read. He's. De- I'll tell you what, there's a 0% chance he plays for the It helps when he doesn't have to go back to the Bucks. He's yeah. not going back to the Bucks. Julian Edelman said it today uh, on the on the show on Paramount Plus that he's on. Uh, and Brady, he thanked the media after the post-game press conference. Like, he's not going back to Tampa. I think that's a shoe-in. So you, you can put that at 0%. I'm going to say there's a 55% chance he retires. There's a 45% chance he's back. I know that's sort of a hot take, as crazy as that sounds. Um, but I think ultimately he's 45 he did regress a little bit. I think that's absolutely fair, despite the fact that the Bucs uh, had some real all, issues. Giving them all on. Yeah, no, I'm with you. But uh, I do think he had some regression this year. So, But again, his numbers, he was 25 and, and 9, I think. And um, it's tough to really dispute that. But I wouldn't be surprised if he just kind of went out on top. Not on top, but you know what I mean? Went out when he, he didn't look like a, a pumpkin like Peyton Manning and Drew Brees, Drew Brees that sort of thing. But if he does move on, Peter, we've been saying it for months. Vegas is the logical spot. They have, a, of course, no quarterback there. Um, they, I, I mentioned the Tennessee Titans as well with Mike Vrabel. Uh, I understand that team still does not necessarily have the parts or the pieces around it, but the Mike Vrabel factor, I don't ignore no, they it. Kinda, they kind of do, A.J. Brown. They, and... Yeah, well, Brown's gone Brown. now. Uh, I mean, yeah, Tron Burks. He's... Yeah, Burks. But again, you could, I don't know, if you trade, let's say they trade for DeAndre Hopkins tomorrow. Derrick Henry, and then they got to get right ball. back in it, yeah. So I put Tennessee in there. It's on the East Coast. I throw Miami in there as well. But I don't, again, I don't know if Mike McDaniel would be whole gun-ho about it. I really don't. I think, uh, I, I I don't know. I don't. I think they'd rather acquire a guy like Lamar Jackson as opposed to Tom Brady. And I don't know how many suitors Brady's going to have. It might just be Vegas. I, I, 
You mentioned the Patriots. I'd be really surprised. Like, I put that at 5%. I'd be very, very surprised. I don't think that makes a lot of sense for either side. Um, I think Vegas is the logical logical thing. I put secondary to Tennessee and probably Miami third. Maybe there's another team that develops out of the woodwork. Someone that I've uh, something that I've kind of seen lately lately is the Carolina Panthers. If they hire Sean Payton, David Tepper, he's an owner that's I think the richest in the NFL. He's willing to dish out as much money as humanly possible. You bring on Sean Payton as your coach. You sign Tom Brady, and then maybe who knows? Maybe you get that to work. We all know Brady and Payton wanted to work together prior, so I've seen that kind of float around. That's also on the East Coast. He wouldn't have to move too far from home. So, uh, uh, but ultimately though, Peter. Gun to my head, I do think he he's gonna hang it up. It's a hot, it seems like a hot take now. I know that's that's what I'm going with right now, and we'll see though. Uh, you can never who knows what Tom Brady's thinking. I, I don't even think he knows what he's thinking. To be honest with you, Peter. No, nah, definitely not. All right, Peter, you want to start off, or do you want me to start off? You can start off. All right, cool, Peter. So let's start off with the Saturday afternoon game uh, between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars will be traveling to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs, but in this one, Peter, I like the Chiefs minus eight and a half. Uh, I actually love the Chiefs in this one. Uh, Patrick Mahomes off a of bye week. I wouldn't bet against him here. On top of the fact that Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars, it's a, it was, they had a really good win against the, the Chargers. That was a great win. But playing in Kansas City on the road in the playoffs after they get a bye is a different animal in itself. Uh, I like the Chiefs big here. It doesn't really take away anything that the Jaguars did this season, but the Chiefs minus eight and a half is just a smart play. It's the right play here. The Chiefs are going to win this game by at least two touchdowns. I totally agree. That's why uh, Chiefs minus eight and a half is my premium pick of the week. This is the only game that I'm fully confident in, BT Dubs. But I mean, yeah, if Trevor Lawrence throws like two picks, there's no way that they win this game. They're going to have to play a flawless game, and I think Trevor Lawrence is going to throw at least one pick. And Mahomes is just going to be in another AFC Championship game. Yep, I 100% agree with you. Uh, next one, Saturday night game between the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Eagles fresh off a bye, taking on division rival New York Giants. I'm going to take the Giants plus 7.5 here. Look, I like the Eagles to win the game, but I like the Giants to cover. The Giants are a scrappy team. They're playing extremely well, extremely confident. And I think they're going to come into Philadelphia to play. Uh, Nick Sariani off a bye week. We don't know how it's going to look. The Eagles could look sluggish. I understand they're a veteran team. Uh, well, they have some veteran parts, but look, Jalen Hurts is still a relatively young quarterback. This will be a second career playoff start. He's a little bit banged up as well. I think there's some good value in the Giants, and I take the Eagles to win by a field goal, but I think this game is going to be really close, and I think we're going to be talking next week about how we might have overrated the Eagles a little bit. I like the Giants plus 7.5. That extra half point makes me feel extremely, extremely uh, well about it. I also agree. I wouldn't surprise if the Giants even went outright. The uh, Eagles beat them twice in a row. It's hard to beat a team three times. So. Yeah, and too. back on Trevor Lawrence, he is like 37-0 on Saturday games. I, I found that out. Yeah, I did read that, which is pretty crazy. Um, and look, you got to think of it this way, too. Um, we saw what happened when division teams played each other last week between the Buffalo Bills, the Dolphins, yeah, they're all Bengals, Ravens. You know, they were all close. And I'm not, I'm not biting it. I'm not taking the cheese this time. I, I think this one will be a closer game. Um, all right, let's go to the Sunday afternoon game, Peter. And I think the Sunday slate is probably better than the Saturday slate. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Buffalo to take on the Bills, a uh, game that we've kind of been waiting on. Um, look, I think this is a game that's arguably the most exciting game heading into this playoffs that I that I was waiting for. Um, and I'm going to take the Bengals plus five as my premium pick of the week. I understand that. The Bengals, we kind of just crapped on them like 25 minutes ago and we said how they were kind of, they didn't come to play and this and that. I think they're going to be geared, ready to go, ready to play. And I like them to win the game outright. The Bills are playing too sluggish, too arrogantly, I should say, however you want to describe it. I like the Bengals to win this game plus five. I'm a little concerned about the line, about why it's so high though. I don't know why. I understand the Bengals got a couple guys in the offensive line hurt, but I thought for sure it would be like plus two and a half, plus three. What does Uh Vegas know? Yeah, I also agree too. This is the least uh unconfident I am on a game, to be honest. I, I want to actually pick no team, but Bengals plus five. I, I think maybe DeMar Hamlin's coming back. Maybe, maybe. Sean McDermott said that he has been at the facility daily this week. So, so I'm at he was supposed to be at the game in, last week. Yeah, maybe he'll pop in his head in. Maybe that's why it's so high and morale will be high. And, yeah. and it's in Buffalo, so maybe that has something to do with it too. 
I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Burrow gets ki- absolutely killed, though. Yeah, I, I'm afraid of the line now. I as Watching that Bills game on Sunday, I said, my premium pick of the week is going to be the Bengals over the Bills no matter what. That's a, I, that's what I, my first reaction was. Buffalo's overrated. They're lucky. They didn't deserve to win. All that. And I look at that Vegas line, and it's five. And it just doesn't make it doesn't make too much sense. I wish, Peter... I don't know if there's a way we can find this, but if there, if what was the original line for that week seventeen game they were supposed to play? Did that, did either it, of us pick that? It was yeah, it was me. I picked. We both you know picked what it is. That. I think it was plus two. I think it was two. two. I think it was two. I think the Chiefs were. I mean, Chief. Uh, it was one and a half. Bengals. Wow. One and a half. So on. look, since then the Bills have played two games in which they played pretty mediocre against the Patriots and the Dolphins. And the they could Bengals, have lost both games. Yeah, and the Bengals, I think, would have won that game. The Bengals looked, looked the first quarter, they came out slamming. But why the five points? I understand that. I think Vegas is very concerned about that Bengals offensive line. I think that's what it is. I'm very nervous about this line, Peter. Very nervous. But I'm taking it as my premium pick of the week. So, uh, last pick, Peter. Uh, San Francisco 49ers hosting the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, this is like a throwback game. This was a big 90s matchup. Uh, for me, anyway, I'm going to go with the 49ers minus three and a half against the Cowboys. Uh, I look, I liked what I saw from the Cowboys, but I still don't trust Dak Prescott and company to, and company to really string along two consecutive great appearances here. And I think the Niners are humming offensively. I think Brock Purdy got the first half jitters out last week. And uh, look, I think the 49ers win this game by seven to ten points. I think they come out humming offensively. And I think defensively, they're able to give the Cowboys an extreme amount of difficulty. Oh, see, only game with the uh, disagree on. I have the Cowboys plus three and a half. I think it's going to be way closer than people think. I think Brock Purdy is going to get exposed in this game. I, I don't know if the Cowboys are ultimately going to win or lose, but I think it's going to be close. This is another game I don't want to bet at all. I will say this, Peter. We're just talking about Tom Brady before we talked about our picks. If you're Tom Brady, who I think ultimately, if he continues to play, he wants to go to San Francisco. He's a he is a Cowboys fan this week because if Brock Purdy, let's say he struggles and the Cowboys win, I don't know, let's say thirty-one to ten, and Purdy throws three interceptions and he looks bad, then I think uh, maybe San Francisco is a little hesitant to, to roll with Brock Purdy next year, and Trey Lance is banged up, and I think Brady would enter more of the discussion. Which right now I don't think he's in that discussion, but if Purdy throws a clunker here and he costs them a game, then maybe he's back in. Maybe so, he throws a clunker, Garoppolo will be in the Super Bowl. Oh, that's an interesting point. So you're saying if like San Francisco wins by the skin of their teeth, but Purdy like, like let's say they win it because of defense, they win, I don't know, 10, 13, 10 or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that'll be interesting as well. A lot of things going on in that 49ers quarterback room. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. you have Trey Lance that can't even walk and hasn't even played in like two and a half years. But... And Brady who wants to go there. You have Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy. You have Garoppolo who can't stay healthy, who's a free agent. Like there's a whole... It's like the Bachelor over there. That's why I want him to win the Super Bowl so bad, so they have to decide. But hopefully that happens. But, but if, if if they get if I in my opinion, if they win this game, Purdy's their guy next year. Oh I, yeah, that's how I feel. I, I think no, I think Trey Lance is going to get the first start or so? first opportunity at a camp. Well, I, I think they're going to slow play that. Re- I, I don't know. I, I think I t- I'll say one thing as well, Peter. I don't mean to really change the subject or anything like that. But the Tennessee Titans, they just hired somebody. Um, for the general manager, they I, his name escapes me, but he was the director of player personnel in San Fran. And Trey Lance c- congratulated him on his Instagram story, and I was like, "Huh, that team could also need a quarterback." There you go. Huh. Interesting. So I saw that, and I was like, "Oh, maybe uh, Trey Lance could end up getting moved." His name was uh, Ron Carthen. All right, Peter, you want to talk some UFC with a Dylan? Big Dylan. <laughs> All right, Peter. So we haven't talked UFC in a while. It's probably been what? Probably since McGregor. Since McGregor. I don't even know when that was. It's been a long time, but uh, we've been wanting to get Dylan on for a bit. And we've been kind of thinking like, when are we going to get? And again, there was a big, there's a big UFC card this coming Saturday, UFC 283. So we said, you know what? Perfect time to bring back Dylan Sariva. Dylan, how we doing? Dylan, of course, of Cheap Talk Wrestling. And he also contributes a lot of MMA material uh, to the Daily Go website. Yep, uh, doing good, guys. You know, uh, Cheap Talk Wrestling still around somewhere for you diehard supporters. Um, we, we're starting 23 off soon. Um, but, yeah, mostly been back on the MMA grind and uh, maybe looking to expand beyond just articles. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, boom, Dylan. I, I mean, uh, 
we had you we've had you on at least to do UFC stuff at least three or four times. Maybe a couple. No, that would be a wall, so you can any card. I mean, you can just hop on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes, like, we're heavy on football in the fall, but then like once like baseball starts up and basketball playoffs, we we get a little bit of wiggle room where we can kind of throw stuff in the last like 20, 30 minutes. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Dylan, of course, if you have not seen it, he uh, highlighted UFC two eighty three and sort of previewed it. On dailygoats.com. It was a fantastic read. So if you have not done that, please do so. Peter, uh, we'll give you the Peter, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the can you uh plug it in uh, on our post on the Daily Goat site? Yeah, the link do down it, there. Yeah, yeah good the call. Oh, yeah. In the description, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Description. Um, so Dylan, uh we're gonna kind of go uh we'll start off with the opening card here between Paul Gregg and Johnny Walker. That's the opening card here. Dylan uh, articulated it in a very detailed manner, of course, in the Daily Goat website. But Dylan, what's your take on that fight? Who you got and why? So uh, the opening card for the bout was actually originally supposed to be the featured prelim bout and a fight got canceled. So they bumped them up to the main card. Um, but uh, being 283 is hailing from uh, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. There's a lot of Brazilian uh, fighters on the card. One of them being Johnny Walker. Um, big prospect. For a while, kind of got derailed a little bit, trying to get his career back on track. Um, and right now, from Caesar Sportsbook, I have these odds. He's a minus one ninety favorite over Paul Craig. Uh, Paul Craig, a little bit of a veteran at two hundred five. Two hundred five is kind of up in the air right now. So both of these guys looking to, you know, make that push into the the top ranked guys, and maybe three fights from now looking for a title shot, but. I think the odds here, Johnny Walker is probably your best bet at minus 190. Hmm. Peter, do you know either of these fighters? I do not. I will not be uh, helping you out until it's uh, Moreno. So. All right. So, the, boom. And I love how Dylan's already got Caesars pulled up. Dylan's ready to rock. All right, Dylan, let's go to the next one here. Gilbert Burns. I know that name. Is it Neil Magny? Yep, for the Neil Magny. Neil Magny. Yep. Boom. So, I know Gilbert Burns. I've heard the name. He's ranked, what, number five and Neil's number 12? Yep. We got that one. So uh, going straight to the odds here, this is big odds for MMA. Burns is a minus 450 favorite. Uh, Magni a plus 350 underdog. You know, sort of same thing as Paul Craig. He's a veteran of the division. He's been around forever. Um, Burns lost a title fight to Kamaru Usman, the former champion at welterweight. Um, rebounded, got a win. And now is looking to make a case for... Um, you know, another title shot, looking to get back. Um, taking out a ranked guy in Magny, who's been on a little bit of a hot streak lately. Uh, I think it's going to be a good fight, but I think Burns just kind of outclasses him in just every aspect of the fight, be it on the ground or on the feet. So unless Magny somehow pulls off a highlight reel finish, I, I think this is an easy victory for Burns. Now for Gilbert Burns, right? Could this fight get him back into title contention? I think it, it could be depending on how the contract situation works out uh, with, I know right now the UFC is looking to do um, uh, Usman versus Edwards rematch for 170. Um, Hamzat Chemaev, who Gilbert Burns also lost to a close decision, um, is also looking for his title shot because, I mean, he has just steamrolled everybody at 170. Um, so, I don't know. I think that title picture is kind of up in the air right now. I think if contract talks fall through and they give Burns a call, I definitely think he'd take it. Cause I mean, a hey, big payday, right? Yeah, absolutely. Who wouldn't say no to that? Peter, you got to take on this fight or no? Are you still punting Peter? I'm I'm, pot, I'm punting until uh, the Moreno. I'm telling you, I, okay. I can't. Well, Moreno's the next one I was just going to talk about. Oh, oh yeah. All right. So Peter, Peter can give his, his great input on this one. So uh, like I just said, interim champ, Brandon Moreno for the flyweight, he's going to uh Dylan, you got to help me pronounce his first name. Is it Davizian? Figurino? Uh, Davison, I believe. Oh, Davison. Oh, it's way off. Figurino. I always say is Davison. I could be wrong. Yeah. Well, okay. We'll call him Figurito versus Brandon Moreno. So Brandon Moreno is a name I've heard. Uh, Figurito, I'm not too familiar with. So what's your take on this one? So this is now the, let's see, fourth fight between these two. Um, Moreno fought one other contender at flyweight uh, in the last two years. Besides that, Figurito has only fought Moreno going back to like 2019 was actually, or 2020 was the first fight, fought to a draw, and then they've traded uh, a win and a loss, and Figueredo now has two wins, but flyweight's a tough division. It's 125 pounds. There's not a lot of, like, 
you know, firepower there. Um, so they just keep running these two back. And I'm hoping if Figueredo wins, we just finally put this rivalry to bed because <laughs> there's got to be somebody else that's willing to take a title fight. I yeah. think, no, well, I think this is going to be it regardless. I think it's literally because of the no contest two years ago. I know the first they one. They accepted is. the fight right after in the press. Well, if, if it's two two, they're gonna do a fifth. They're gonna well, do one, it. one one one. Well, one well whatever you know what I mean. One one one. So I, I mean yeah maybe you're right that maybe it, it does end with four. So he really hasn't fought someone since 2019. Someone different since 2019. Yep, that was like the last time he fought someone not named Brandon Moreno. This is UFC two fifty uh, two eighty three. He last fought uh, two fifty six. They, they put on almost 30 other pay-per-views and That's he is crazy man i mean like they gotta be on a first name basis by now for god's sake like that's that's nuts i mean that's definitely not a comment has that ever happened before four fights uh not that i can think of there's been trilogies like um chuck liddell versus tito ortiz um Oh my goodness, Gray Maynard versus uh Frankie Edgar. Like there's there's been great like three fight matchups and somebody always goes 2-1, but I think the fact that the first one started off with a draw, it's just mm-hmm. been like like deer in headlights like what do we do? Like how do we how do we say who's the better fighter? And Moreno, he won he won his last fight in July, right? Yeah, he beat a uh, Kaikara France who people are saying should pending the outcome of this fight face whoever the true undisputed champ is he's um he's on the same team as uh israel adesanya uh city kickboxing out of uh new zealand they have some real killers over there at that um at that gym but he's he's pretty much like the only other top guy at 125 pounds that could reasonably challenge these two i'm still not over the fact that this dude hasn't fought anyone different in four years like that's just i'm just, still mind blowing that peter you got another take on this before we go to the main event call moreno honestly I'm kind of hoping Moreno wins too. I like him. Are you? Did you pick Moreno? Um, so he's I I I don't know. Nobody's I kind of nobody's seen him. It's so hard. Yeah, I kind of feel Figgy. Figgy's technically, I guess you could call him the the underdog right now. They're both. It's a pick 'em fight. Uh, Figueredo is minus one fifteen. Moreno is minus one hundred five. So I guess Figgy's kind of favored right now, but. It's kind of a toss up and this is probably going all 25 minutes. Like I, I highly doubt we see a finish. I mean, I would, I mean, I hope you're right. Uh, you, people get their money's worth for this one. Again, four years in the freaking making for God's sake, like it better go 25 minutes. All right. Main event. Now, uh, number two, Glover Texera and number seven is Jamal Hill for the light heavyweight title. Uh, this, I've heard of these guys before. Um, I, it's Jamal Hill, right? That's how you pronounce it. It's Jamal, yeah. uh, Jamal Hill. I know he's 11 and one. Uh, it feels like he's somebody that's kind of gaining steam. What's your take on this one, Dylan? Yeah, so um, as you said, like Hill really been g- gaining steam, just kind of bursted on uh, to the light heavyweight scene. And as I said, light heavyweight since John Jones and Daniel Cormier left that division has been just an absolute. Oh, John Jones is coming back. But... Yeah, John Jones is coming back in March. Um, definitely will um, write something up about that, but it's, we went from having two champions across nine years between Jones and Cormier to now three champions in the last two years at 205. So kind of that changing of the guard. Um, Hill is looking to make a name for himself. He's beaten some guys that have been ranked highly. And then um, Glover Texera is a former champion, lost to the man who vacated the belt, Yuri Prohaska, uh, due to a shoulder injury that's going to keep him out for about a year and a half. So, um, the UFC at their last pay-per-view of 2022 tried to make a light heavyweight bout between Magomed Ankalaev and Jan Blahovich. Uh went to a draw. And Dana White said, no, we're, we're not going to have these two fight again. We're just going to make a whole different other title fight. Hmm. Um, and right now, odds, uh, Jamal Hill, minus 125 favorite. Glover Teixeira, plus 105 uh, underdog. And... I mean, Texera's 43 years old. I This might be the one undercard or underdog on the card that I, I choose. I love Texera. He's been around the UFC for a decade. Um, he's from Connecticut, so New England guy. I'm going to kind of, you know, root for him, but should be a good fight. I think this is this will be a fun uh, 
main event. I totally agree too. Like Jamal Hill just came in like two years ago, right? Or like three years ago. Yeah, I think he's only had like five fights in the UFC or something like that. Yeah, I think the spotlight's gonna be way too big for him. And he's only ranked seven. So like how good can he actually be? I know it's it's interesting. I, I disagree I with that. Scramble in a, to get a title fight together anyway, but so true. Like I think they just should have had like waited till the March card where Jones is fighting and rematch Ankalaev and uh Blahovich. Like they fought to a draw. Second time around, someone's gonna get a victory. Hmm. So this one so which uh, of the whole card dome, which one are you most excited to see and then least excited to see? Uh most excited to see. I, I gotta go with the main event. Um I just think like to have some like clear headedness about who's running the division and stuff like that at 205 will be good and there's a bunch of guys up and down the top 15 and even guys who are unranked currently trying to make a name for themselves that should make this card really really fun um and i hope to you know see just a champion crown but if there's another draw man that's just an awful start for the company for 2023 Mm. um and then least excited probably it's now currently the featured prelim bout um Mauricio Shogun Hua versus uh Ihor uh, Potera uh, another light heavyweight matchup Mauricio who is former light heavyweight champion but he's 40 something years old he's kind of on the way out and it's that mentality of feed the the old guys to the young guys and have them get absolutely laid out in the middle of the octagon okay so Peter, I, it feels like you're kind of echoing the same thing about the main event. Like, there's some actual implications on there for future cards and that sort of thing. Is that is that how you feel as well, Peter? Yeah, I mean, if John Jones takes care of business, I don't even know who he's fighting to be honest, but he's gonna get right back in there. They need a name in two hundred five. So, is John Jones? Do you think facing the winner of that? Is that possible? If he doesn't look like a tomato and he doesn't fail another drug test. Well, he's coming back at heavyweight too. He's fighting um Cyril Oh yeah, Ragon. he's facing Gain, right? Ragon. Yeah, he's not even he won't even make two oh five anymore. He's like at the like I think he said his goal because I, I follow his insta and watch his, you know, interviews, stuff like that. He wants to weigh like two seventy five before fight week, and then to make the heavyweight limit is two hundred and sixty five pounds. So he wants to be like the heaviest you could possibly be and get licensed. So on, this uh, has fighting. this has no implications on Jones whatsoever. Forget what I just said. <laughs> I mean, Peter... it's it's possible yeah. if the you know if he wants to be double champ and be the goat, like sure. Uh, so what what's it? Bef- so I the this all right. So anything else left on the card that I forgot to mention? Something that you want to talk about that we haven't really gotten to yet? Uh, just a quick note. I think the women's fight on the card, uh, Jessica Andrade versus Lauren Murphy. At 125 pounds, should be interesting. I think Andrade trying to get back into the title picture, but other than that, so like I said, it's a lot of um, Brazilian fighters, a lot of up and comers trying to make their name, and it's uh, the first pay per view of 2023 for the UFC. So hopefully, it goes off well without a hitch. You know, with normally it, normally it does. Yeah, the first one's normally pretty good. They try and put together a good card, and then. Probably January and July are the probably two biggest weeks because July you have a international fight week. Yeah, it feels like only... July. Yeah, July it feels like they uh, it's usually in the summer in December, right? It's July and December. What did you say? July and January. December, yeah, too. December too, because they yeah. like go off with a big final yeah. card normally too. Interesting. So uh, it's funny that you bring up the women's division because I was gonna tell this story before we started, but I think it's a good segue. So. When me and Peter were going to Vegas, we saw a, a woman's f- uh, fighter in the women's division. Her name is, let's see if Peter remembers it, because I don't. <laughs> I do not. Cheyenne, uh, was it Flismas? Yeah. That... Yes. Yeah, I got the Instagram nice. pulled up. Uh-huh. Yeah, we, we saw her uh, on our plane, and uh, she. Uh, we ended up betting on her, and she lost. Oh. So, yeah. On the know. plane two days before a fight. <laughs> That's how yeah, we did it. wasn't we are... already in Vegas yet. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we are 90. 90- no. What percent sure are we, Peter? Like 98%? Yeah, 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 yeah. We were, we were really sure. And obviously, we left on, like, Friday, and the fight is on, like, Saturday night. So, this doesn't bode well. Yeah, yeah. But uh, she lost and cost us. But All right, so, Dylan, uh, this is probably going to be your first edition of Five Questions. Not about football. 
So that's our kind of rule. We don't talk about football because that's what we do all the time. So you want to hit off, Peter? You want to start first? Yeah, I can go first. All right. Since the sad news that car is ending on CTW and that car is probably our all right, Matt's probably our third member. So Carr's probably our fourth member of Palmer and Peter's picks. What's your favorite memory of Carr? Or you can bash on him. You can take a pick. Man, there's That's been a question. That's a good question. I think the funniest thing, like memeable moment with Carr was uh shooting cheap shot, the show we put on with Showcase Pro Wrestling. Uh, the end of the Lewis Leone match, where instead of handing me the title to give to Lewis, <laughs> he just <laughs> threw it at him. <laughs> yep, that's that's the one I would have said. He's had a couple of rants on like roughing the basket that I've also thought were really funny. Like, oh, that's that's a good one though, Dylan. And my uh, Peter, I, I know I'm not supposed to answer these, but another one that I think is like an honorable mention is the driving video. What was that? Oh, Battle of the Interstate. Oh, yep. Oh, him and Noah. Yeah, that was great. That was, that was absolutely. Oh, you're saying God. battle in the interstate? Me, Dylan, and Justin, clean. Oh up. yeah, you're right. Should've won. Should've yeah. won. We we did like forty oh, yeah, challenges. I won. I won. I forgot about that. I yeah, win. I was pumped. That was a, that was a good time. That was a that Drove was all the a way very to Totten and then to Wound Socket. <laughs> Back we went to Bottom City. Yeah, that's all right. Hey, you know it's it's all part of a it's it's all part of it. All right, Peter. Uh. I guess I'll go. Do you want me to go or do you want to do your second one? I can do my second one. All right, sure. Since you're a Bruins and Red Sox fan, how did you become a Spurs fan? I know how you're a Packers fan. Yeah, Dylan. This is... uh, no, uh, I'm, re- I'm not even trying to be a Reinvented Celtics fan. Re- reinvented <laughs> Celtics fan. Um, oh, come on. So, you can't do that, though, Paul. That's so funny, Peter. Oh, oh and, really? and, and Dylan, he has no idea, like, what Nate says. Like, uh, that's <laughs> that's why I'm laughing. Like, I... So Nate always. Oh wait, you're not a ball. sports. Uh, you're not a Spurs fan. No, I'm not even trying to be a dad. Kind of a Celtics fan, like, and so like the first time, like I started following the Celtics, like beginning of last season, and then like obviously through yeah. the finals run and stuff, because I I love Rob Williams, I love Tatum, like I just love the team, and like and Nate, you're here, the, so like, yeah, and like Nate the whole time is like you're a bandwagon, and I'm like. <laughs> It's my hometown team. Like, I never said, like, you can check all of my social medias, any sports take I've ever put out there. I've never been like, oh, my God, I hate the Celtics. And just because they happen to be, like, nasty. Um, But, like, I I started following the Spurs because, like, Tim Duncan was just cool. And, like, dude was just, I don't know, would, like, casually and, like, casually drop like 30 points and 17 boards Listen, and, like, Nate gives you, if Nate, Nate gives you any crap you can tell him just uh take the match and go shove it so. look man the, the guy just suffers i i just kind of leave him leave him be he suffers yeah. as a fan of four major yeah. sports teams picked it's, all it's, the, it's picked tough all the to be big nate but, hey, but there was an episode of big talk to big nate that was just dropped i did see that i, I will definitely have to give it a listen yeah. to class today so yeah, Nate was. Yeah, I told Nate I plan on listening this weekend. I haven't gotten to it, but yeah, he was very excited it was released. But yeah, Dylan, just a background. I did. Peter did not tell me his questions. I don't have. I did not know he was going to say that. That's what makes it really fun. <laughs> no, because I I was wondering that because I didn't even know. Like, obviously, I know how you're a Packers fan, but like, I didn't know how you were as person. That's, that's a funny story. backstory. That's, that's a funny Rob Williams that's guy. That's a funny backstory. <laughs> <laughs> Big Rob right. Williams guy. All right, question three. Uh, I'll take this one. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Ooh. I feel like the ability to like teleport anywhere you want would just be like really cool. Ooh, that's a good one. I like that one. That's a good one. I feel like that's we have somebody side. else that too. That's the out of sight box because everyone says like flying or like you know. Yeah. It's good. Answer. Okay. All right. Question four, Dylan. Um. Okay. Yeah, I like this one. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with it. All right, Dylan. If you won $10 million today, what is the first purchase? First purchase. Uh, well, first thing I'm doing is probably talking to my financial lady and investing. Boring. No, but Fun uh, purchase. We're saying fun purchase. First fun purchase. Nice. We, well, keep, no, it, we keep it light. Probably going on vacation. Like, probably going to, like, I've always wanted to go to, like, the Mediterranean, like, Greece and... Uh, um. Croatia, stuff like that. So okay. taking a big cruise, disappearing yeah. from. Yeah, I like I like that. That that's a good one. That's a good one. I feel like that's you know you'd probably be smart. To be honest, if Dylan won ten million bucks, we wouldn't hear from Dylan for more, for like three months. No, he, he'd still hop on the pod. Definitely, like, I won. All right, I'm going out of the country. I'm going to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, look, Peter. Hello. I didn't know you'd be here, too. <laughs> yeah, we all go. All right. Question five. All right. This since this is like a sports, you know, sports betting podcast. Is there any memory? What is your most memorable sports bet that you've won or lost? I think I know the answer, but it's oh, it's unfortunately know. one I lost. Um, although last year hitting Odell first touchdown score at Jay's house was a good time. We were all hyped. Um, but my junior year of college, uh, there was a Saturday morning. Jay's like, oh, I'm going to sports book. You want to come? And I'm like, all right. So we drive all the way from Milton down to Somerset. And I never have cash. Awful with it. I have $2 in my pocket when we get to the book. And I'm like, all right, screw it. I'm going to throw two bucks in a parlay. I did an eight-leg parlay. Like spreads, over-unders, money lines. Got through the one o'clock games. Got through the four o'clock games. Final game comes down to Bears versus the Rams. And the Bears were a plus um, six and a half underdog. And I'm like, They'll cover that. Like it's Jared Goff. He sucks. And Mitchell Trubisky throws the ball really. Just gotta far. cover. Just gotta cover. Just gotta cover. I, I wasn't asking for a win. Um yeah, they lost by seven. Um it was two dollars to win, and I remember this in my head because I was so mad. Three hundred and sixty-four dollars off of two dollars. I hit seven out of eight. Wasn't there a missed extra point or missed field goal or something two. too? Two. Two missed two. uh extra points. So if he and a field goal. So, like, if he just hit one of those, I hit the spread and I win 360 bucks off of $2. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's one that's probably going to stick in your brain for a long, long time until you, until you, hit, a, until you hit, hit a good one. So, other than that, you know, that's going to be the one you're stuck with. It's but, brutal, man. Yeah, well, thank you for playing. Five questions, not about football. I know maybe the last Car- question was sort of maybe, football, but not really. Yeah, and maybe Carr's listening, but uh, good job answering those questions. You don't. Pause for like, yeah, you did well. Yeah, car, he's got to do better. Which we told he's him, he's got to think about it. Not he's slow, he's slow with the questions, like, he's slow off the trigger. <laughs> but then, like, once he's in rhythm, though, he's good. But like, because he always get we always catch him off guard, he, he doesn't yeah. know what to expect. They <laughs> just like, come oh, out man. of left field. Yeah, but, no, I think you handled yourself well. But Dylan, we're gonna have to have you back on soon. Uh, again, if you have not checked out Dylan's article on dailygoats.com, it's gonna be on our podcast description. Uh, Dylan, look, he he highlights the key matchups of two of UFC 283 in Brazil for this coming Saturday. Uh, he goes in depth about different matches on the card. It's a good read. You can also catch Dylan on Cheap Talk Wrestling, which uh, is ready to burst for 2023. Uh, it was sad to see Car go, but I know you guys have great things coming your way in 2023. Uh, give me a little little inside. We're supposed to be doing. Working out the details, but a Royal Rumble predictions kind of, you know, thing. Not sure when it's going to be released. Just oh, sprinkling behind the curtain a little so bit. Look, you can check Dylan out there if you're a wrestling fan. If you're a, if you're a UFC fan, Dylan creates uh, some UFC content for us. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure he'll have more content out soon. And, uh, yeah, Dylan, thank you for joining us. And we'll have you back real soon, we promise. And a little plug. Uh, Dylan, I'll see you on episode 100 of the Bo Sock Bomb. Oh, the little plug. Yes, sir. I will see you. Uh, well, this is for this week, so I'll see you, I'll see you Monday. I'll see you Monday. Yeah, you better be there, too. Yeah, I told you I'd hop on. All right, cool. Stay hot, everyone.